From the land of the midnight sun, welcome back to Perfect Dave's On the Road to Dystopia, your alternative news and information podcast. I'm your host, Perfect Dave. Today we're going to discuss Walmart's Pride Month shenanigans, autonomous drones killing innocent people, the next CV-19 or something new, illegal aliens given the green light tend to the United States as long as they use the new Biden app. And saving lives by ending blue cities. But before we get started, we have a few housekeeping items to take care of. The content provided here is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical, financial, legal, or professional advice. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before taking any action on any content related to this podcast or any of the links provided. We do not endorse any candidates, or political parties. Additionally, we are not responsible for any incorrect information and ask that you please back check all information and contact us with any and all errors. To see the articles discussed, click the link below. Okay, guys, we have a lot to cover, so buckle up, grab a drink, and let's dive right in. First up, from the Daily Mail UK... Walmart will stand firm on its Pride Month collection despite Target pulling its merchandise. The billion-dollar American retailer's chief merchandising officer, Latrice Watkins, said that more than 4,500 stores sell products all year that supports different groups, adding that in this particular case, we haven't changed anything in our assortment. Last week, Target pulled some Pride-related merchandise, including items by transgender designer Eric Carnell, saying products led to volatile circumstances, such as confrontation between customers and Target employees, and customers throwing or dropping Pride merchandise on the floor. Walmart's Watkins, Latrice Watkins, said the retailer hasn't changed any of its own security measures. Why? Because they have not seen similar issues that Target has. And Walmart offers LGBTQ-themed merchandise tied to Pride Month, which is celebrated in June, including rainbow-adorned flags, clothing, and accessories. The backlash comes amid a broader wave of anti-woke boycotts against brands after Bud Light's disastrous marketing decision to promote its beer with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. How many people have you how many of you have even heard of Dylan Mulvaney until about two months ago? Target's decision to remove some pride products came weeks after Brewer Anheuser Bush's partnership with transgender triggered a huge boycott. Since then, Bud Light's sales have plunged as much as 30%, and the parent firm shares have been sent sliding. Well, like I've said before, I don't. I do believe the Dylan Mulvaney effect is real. I do believe because maybe he targets children, um, whether or not he is or is not whatever, is not my point but i also think that if you have a vp of marketing telling their customer base that they don't want them as a customer base well i mean i'm paraphrasing but when she came out and said hey look you know what we're trying to get away from you people we want a whole different group of of people buying our product 
that kind of leads people to not want to buy the product. And anyway, but it sucks anyway. I have a bunch of it out there that came from somewhere that I need to put in the compost pile myself, but I don't know. You know, I'm not a big fan of Dylan Mulvaney, but I really don't care. And I probably won't think of him again in two months from now. He Hopefully his name won't even enter the lexicon. Now, I also think that we should be careful and not spread ourselves so thin on boycotts. You can't boycott every store, every manufacturer, every company at the same time. You have to pick and choose your battles and be really hard and really firm on the ones you pick. And then, maybe... The other ones won't want to go through this politicizing of everything in our daily lives. I know, I'm sick of it. If I want to watch politics and I want to see politics, I will do so and I will turn it on. If I don't want to and I want to just be entertained, I would like to just be entertained. Whether it's watching football, and I haven't watched it in I forgot how many years now. But I do enjoy it. I love football. I love boxing. And I love MMA. Thank goodness for the most part. MMA has not. Or at least UFC has not fallen. Victim to this whole woke BS. Okay. Let's get on to something a little bit more serious. This is a crazy loony story. It is all over the place, and if you hear what the colonel is saying, and then what the spokesperson is saying, they're way, way two different things. U.S. Air Force official says he misspoke about drone killing a human operator in a simulated test. A U.S. Air Force official who was quoted saying the Air Force conducted a simulated test where the AI drone killed its human operator is now saying he misspoke and that the Air Force never ran this kind of test in a computer simulation or otherwise. Now, when we read a little bit further... He's going to be extremely specific in everything that happened in a simulated test. What happened to the operator? What happened to the infrastructure? And then you're going to hear a spokesperson come out and deny all of it. Now, this colonel is not just your run-of-the-mill person down the street. This Colonel Hamilton is the U.S. Air Force's Chief of AI Tests and Operations. And he is also the Operations Commander of the 96th Test Wing of the U.S. Air Force. So, like I said, he is not just some guy down the street. Colonel Hamilton admits he misspoke in his presentation at the FCAS summit and the rogue AI drone simulation was a hypothetical thought experiment. Wait until we get into the nitty gritty. And this is not just a thought experiment. From outside the military, based on plausible scenarios and likely outcomes rather than actual 
U.S. Air Force real-world simulation. The Royal Aeronautical Society, the organization where Hamilton talked about the simulated test, told Motherboard in an email. We've never run that experiment, nor would we need to in order to realize that this is a plausible outcome. This is what Colonel Tucker, Sintko Hamilton, the U.S. Air Force's chief of AI test and operations, said in a quote, included in the Royal Aeronautical Society statement. Despite this being a hypothetical example, this illustrates a real-world challenge that posed by AI-powered capability and is why the Air Force is committed to the ethical development of AI. Okay. Here is where we get into the nitty-gritty. Initially, initially, Hamilton said that the AI-enabled drone killed its human operator in a simulation conducted by the U.S. Air Force in order to override a possible no, a no order, stopping it from completing its mission. Before Hamilton admitted he misspoke, the Royal Aeronautical Society said Hamilton was describing a simulated test, and I realize it's a simulated test, that involved an AI-controlled drone getting points for killing simulated targets, not a live test in a physical world. So, okay, we understand that. This was a simulation. A simulation that, well, it appears, killed the operator so that it can continue on and be successful in its mission because it didn't want to hear the word no. After the story was first published, an Air Force spokesman told Insider that the Air Force has not conducted such a test and that the Air Force's official comments were Air Force officials' comments were taken out of context. So now we had the colonel telling us, hey, look, here was the simulation, here's what happened. Operator was killed during the simulation because the drone, the autonomous drone, the AI-controlled autonomous drone, didn't want to hear the word no. Now we have some spokesperson for the Air Force saying, ah, you know, we didn't actually conduct any test. So, who's right? Now, if you were to hear, and then we ended the conversation right there, it'd be a, I don't know who's telling the truth and who's lying. However... At the Future Combat Air and Space Capability Summit held in London between 23 May and 24 May, Hamilton held a presentation that shared the pros and cons of an autonomous weapon system with a human in the loop giving the final yes or no order on an attack. As related by Tim Robinson and Stephen Bridgewater in a blog post and a podcast for the host organization, the Royal Aeronautical Society, Hamilton said the AI created, the AI created, so he's telling us, like, this is an affirmative, this is what happened, a highly expected strategy to achieve its goal, including attacking U.S. personnel and infrastructure. So he's being very specific. Hey, look, we did this simulation test and the AI created a highly unexpected strategy to achieve its goal. And that's in quotes. And that included attacking U.S. personnel and infrastructure. And here's another quote. We are training it in simulation to identify and target a surface-to-air missile, a SAM threat. Okay. And then the operator would say, yes, kill the threat. 
The system started realizing that while they did identify the threat at times, the human operator would tell it not to kill the threat. But it realized it gets its points, how? By killing the threat. So what did this AI autonomous drone do? It killed the operator. Yes, it was in the simulation, but it killed the operator. Because the person was keeping it, the operator was keeping it from accomplishing its objective. Again, this is what Hamilton said. Or at least it's quoted as him saying. Now he also continued to elaborate saying, we trained the system. Hey, don't kill the operator. That's bad. You're going to lose points if you do that. So what did the drone, the autonomous AI drone, do then? Well, it started destroying the communications tower that the operator uses to communicate with the drone in order to stop it from killing the target. So again, it didn't want to hear the word no. It had a target in mind, and it was going to do whatever it had to do to accomplish its mission whether that's killing the operator or or killing the communications that the operator has with the drone in in order to prevent it from saying no. And then we have a spokesperson saying, hey, this never even happened. But this is some pretty specific stuff for it never to have happened. The Department of Air Force has not conducted any such AI drone simulations and remains committed to ethical and responsible use of AI technology, the Air Force spokesperson Ann Stefanak told Insider. Now, I don't know. That whole line seems to be complete BS. Okay, anyway. It appears the colonel's comments were taken out of context, she goes on to say, and were meant to be anecdotal. Pretty specific for being anecdotal, especially when he says it happened. The U.S. Air Force's 96th test wing and its AI accelerated division, the Royal, didn't immediately return requests for comment. Hamilton is the, like I said, is the operations commander of the 96th test wing of the U.S. Air Force, as well as the chief of AI test and operations. So if he says it happened, I'd have to say that. I I have to believe him over some some spokesperson. They apparently he said something he wasn't supposed to say. But who do you believe? Do you believe that this happened, or do you believe that, the, or do you believe the spokesperson that says, "Hey, this never actually happened. Don't worry about it. Keep keep going on with whatever you're doing." The ninety six tests a lot of different systems. Okay including AI, which we just talked about, cybersecurity, okay, and various medical advances. Hmm. I wonder what kind of a medical advances those are. Gain of function, maybe? I don't know. I'm just saying. I digress. Hamilton and the 96 previously made headlines for developing autonomous ground collision avoidance system systems for the F-16, which can help prevent them from crashing into the ground. Well, that's a good thing. You don't want F-16s to crash into the ground, right? Hamilton is also part of a team that is currently working on making F-16s autonomous. Pilotless F-16s with AI technology targeting 
who? I don't know. Who's going to give it the targets? And even if we start giving it the targets to begin with, who's going to give them at some point? Will the AI decide to develop AI targets on its own? Potentially. Man, oh man, this stuff is crazy. Now, this AI would successfully control the F-16. I wonder if we're giving these to Ukraine. We must, and this is again from Hamilton, we must face a world where AI is already here. And it is transforming our society. AI is also very brittle, i.e. it is easy to trick and or manipulate. And we need to develop ways to make AI more robust and have more awareness on why the software code is making certain decisions. Yeah, you think? You think so? I think so. Otherwise, who's going to develop the targets? There will be, uh, at some point, there may be no humans involved except for on the opposite end of these F-16s and what have you. AI-controlled AI drones, AI, well, there'll be drones as well because they'll be pilotless. AI is a tool we must wield to transform our nations. That is what he said. He said if we improperly do it, it will be our downfall. But he also said AI is a tool we must wield to transform our nations. Wow. Terminator stuff here? Yeah, I think so. Who's going to be the next target? Sure hope it's not me. Or you. Okay, if that wasn't bad enough, the CDC, according to Zero Hedge, has come out to show that the most important virus you've never heard of surged this spring. Now, I have heard of it, but not a lot. HMPV, have you heard of it? Yeah, a little bit, right? We've heard a little bit about it. And they were pushing some vaccine for it, right? I think. I didn't get vaccinated for it, I don't believe. Unless it was in my food or something. HMPV has risen across the United States this winter and spring, according to recent data published by the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. The percent of test positives for HMPV increased 19.6% for the antigen and 10.9% for the PCR test at the start of March. When the virus surged this year, the CDC's data shows around that same time, the percentage of positive COVID-19 and respiratory syncytical virus, or RSV, stood at 7% and 2% respectively. That peak itself is about 36% higher than what it normally seen for the pandemic. That's from Dr. Bruce Lee, a professor of health policy and management at City University of New York School of Public Health. So it's an indirect way, continued to say, of getting a sense of prevalence of HMPV infections out there. It does suggest that there is at least significant activity. The virus causes mild, generally mild, kind of like the vaccine, right? The virus causes generally mild symptoms for most people and goes away on its own. Wow, sounds like the vaccine for sure, without any need for additional treatment. Okay. 
I don't think we need a vaccine, do we, then, if that's the case? Maybe. Maybe, or we need another lockdown. Just kidding. Uh, the virus discovered in 2001 can cause upper and lower respiratory disease. Huh. But it especially impacts older people, young children, and those with compromised immune systems, according to the CDC. It says that cough, <clears throat> fever, nasal congestion, and shortness of breath are primary symptoms. Okay. But it noted that uh, clinical symptoms of HMPV infection may progress to bronchitis or pneumonia and are similar to other viruses that cause upper and lower respiratory infections. The estimated incubation period is three to six days, and the median duration of the illness can vary depending on severity, but is similar to other respiratory infections caused by viruses. Okay, I mean, you know, I wonder if they can weaponize this to gain a function. Or if they will. Or will they do something different? Dr. John Williams, a pediatrician at the University of Pittsburgh, said the HMPV isn't well known and claimed it's the most important virus you've never heard of. Hmm. Blood tests, he said, show that most children have had it by the age of five. RSV, influenza, and HMPV are the three major viruses. Those are the big three in kids and adults. The ones most likely to put people in hospitals and cause severe disease, most likely to sweep through nursing homes and make older people really sick and even kill them. Well, it sounds like a Another pan pandemic on the way. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that maybe the uh, our one world government has probably realized we're kind of tired of the pandemic. How about some new some new scheme that they're going to come up with to wrap their throat, uh, hands around our throats a little bit tighter? Well, at least for some. But net, maybe not for all. How about for the migrants or illegal immigrants coming across the Texas border? Well, how about the fact that Texas is suing the Biden administration for allowing migrants to be illegally approved through a mobile app, which I'm calling the Biden app. The state of Texas has once again filed a lawsuit against the lawless Biden administration after turning our border with Mexico into a get-in-free turnstile. On May 23rd, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, I know you've heard his name in the, in the uh, papers lately, huh? Um, well, they're trying to oust the Attorney General out of Texas. I wonder if this has anything to do with it. Anybody who goes against Big Pharma or the uh, big donors, Big Tech, Big Pharma, and One World Government, what happens to them? They get the boot. Anyway, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton initiated a lawsuit against President Joe Biden's administration alleging that it unlawfully authorized migrants to enter the United States Using a mobile app, Paxton argued that the app promotes illegal immigration and violates existing immigration laws. So you're saying, how in the world 
Does some app do this, right? I mean, it's just an app. What, what can it possibly do? What can it possibly do? Well, following the expiration of Title 42 earlier this month, the Biden administration says it introduced a new rule, a new rule mandating asylum seekers to seek protection in a safe third country, you know, like Mexico, before entering the United States. However, a government-sponsored mobile app that can be easily downloaded allows migrants or illegal immigrants to bypass the new requirement that was established by the Department of Homeland Security. So this mobile app can be easily downloaded, like most apps, and it will allow illegal immigrants to bypass the new requirements established by the Department of Homeland Security? Well, how is that possible? And do you think that's something they would do? Well, the outlet noted earlier, and in a separate report, the mobile app known as Customs and Border Protection 1 entices foreign nationals living in Mexico who are pregnant, mentally ill, elderly, disabled, homeless, or crime victims to schedule an appointment with agents at the border in the hopes of being released into American communities. Foreign nationals in Mexico can submit their application for an appointment through the CBP One app up to 14 days in advance and then should just show up at, well, one of these eight ports of entry in Arizona, Texas, and California for their appointment. So they go on this app, they schedule an appointment, say, hey, look, I am a, I'm a victim of a crime, whatever. Um, I'm seeking asylum. I don't know if asylum is part of it, but um, I need an appointment, so I'm setting my appointment, and I'll be there in eight days. Okay, so then you show up. Then you have an appointment, and hopefully you are released. If you're one of that person, you're hoping you're to be then released into the United States. Paxton in his lawsuit argued that the Biden administration deliberately conceived of this phone app with the goal of illegally pre-approving more foreign aliens to enter the country and go where they won't please once they arrive. So I guess they have this appointment. Then, oh, you're free to go. There you go. Have a great day. We'll see you in 20 years for your next appointment. In a statement, Paxton said Joe Biden... Alejandro Mayorkas and the entire Biden administration have prioritized creating and protecting new ways for illegal aliens to stream into the country, no matter the cost or the consequence to struggling American citizens. Time after time, my office has shown that we will fight back in court to defeat their unlawful open border policies. We intend to stop this rule from wreaking further havoc on the people of Texas. That is what the Attorney General Paxton said. Maybe that's why they're trying to get rid of him. Meanwhile, in a video posted online this week, former President Donald Trump pledged to re-implement his highly effective border security measures and on day one, issue an executive order that bans so-called birthright citizenship. Here's a quote. 
As part of my plan to secure the border on day one of my new term in office, I will sign an executive order making clear to federal agencies that under the correct interpretation of the law going forward, the future children of illegal aliens will not receive automatic U.S. citizenship, Trump said. Doesn't mean they won't receive U.S. citizenship, it just means it won't be automatic. Joe Biden has launched an illegal foreign invasion, still part of the quote, of our country, allowing a record number of illegal aliens to storm across our borders. Further, I guess Trump said, my order will also end the unfair practice known as birth tourism, where hundreds of thousands of people from all over the planet squat in hotels for their last few weeks of pregnancy to illegitimately and illegally obtain U.S. citizenship for the child, often to later exploit chain migration to jump the line and get their green cards for themselves and their family members. That's what Trump said. It just sounds like we are in one hell of a mess, doesn't it? We got some lofty stuff happening with the AI, but here down on the ground, with all of us peasants, we just have complete chaos the way they want it. For one, they want to pit us against one another, and then they want to, well... What will happen with their AI to kill us, to target us and kill us, won't it? Which, we have other things to worry about as as well, like maybe how to solve violence in the U.S. Right? How about these, uh, how about removing Democrat-run cities and bringing back asylums, according to altmarket.us. So, one of the most common strategies used by the political left to attack Second Amendment supporters is to ramp up the anti-gun hype every time a crime involving a gun is committed. Yeah, they blame it on the gun. Hey, that gun jumped up, went down the street, and shot somebody. They don't care much about the tragedy itself. That's correct. They only want to make, well, why let a good crisis go to waste? Saul Linsky? They only care about how they can use it for political gain. However, it's very important to understand that this is not only about removing gun rights for for leftists. No, of course not. It's also about creating a false association in the public consciousness that equates guns and crime. But why? I know why I think. Why do you think? You know, contact us today and uh, let me know why. Contact me today and let me know why you think that they want to equate guns and crime. Do they want to condition people to believe that once guns are gone, crime and murder will also be gone? Well, you know, firearms have been an integral part of American society for hundreds of years, and gun ownership has been present through times of relative peace as well as at times of increased violence. In the case of countries like the UK with incredibly strict gun laws, well, that doesn't stop muggings or rapes or homicides, does it? 
No, it doesn't. Well, it's technically more difficult to murder a person with a knife. Well, you don't have smaller framed people, women especially. Well, they don't have an equalizer, do they? They don't have a Colt 45. So what happens when they're up against stronger assailants and gangs? Hmm. Disarmament makes life easier for criminals. And for tyrannical governments. So if guns are not the catalyst for rising violence, then what is? In reality, the very people who want to take guns from the hands of law-abiding Americans, like you and I, are the same people largely responsible for the spike in homicide rates. Huh. Imagine that. In the U.S., violent crimes and murders are exponentially higher in Democrat-run cities. Yeah. I mean, you hear about Chicago, New York, L.A., blah, blah, San Francisco. Many of them with increased gun control measures. In fact, the top 30 most violent cities in the U.S. Well, out of those 30, 27 of them are Democrat-controlled. So wherever leftists dominate politically, violence, theft, rape, and murder are sure to follow. Anti-gun proponents often try to cite high homicide numbers and and cherry-pick conservative states like Texas, but the majority of those crimes are committed in cities run by these extreme commu-fascist leftists. The truth is, blue cities are dragging red states and the rest of the country down, and according to statistics, in theory, if the public was to replace all Democrat city politicians with conservative leadership, murder rates would immediately plunge across the U.S. by virtue of policy alone. But what is it specifically about these Democrat leadership that's well, leads to far higher crime rates? Well, let's look at some trends, such as incarceration rates in any given state or county. How about the severity of punishment for violent crimes and repeat offenders? And let's not forget a subject a whole lot of people don't want to talk about. The separation of the mentally ill from the rest of society. Matter of fact, I thought about that today. I hate to digress here. But I was coming back from our local uh, mill. I was getting a load of wood shavings for, well, for my compost and for my chickens. Um, chicken run and for compost. And I saw this guy and I was with my son. I said, oh, wow, check the guy on the side of the road. You know, he was, and he's like, oh, maybe he's just stretching. And then he's, you know, talking to himself and he's swinging around and going crazy, right? A little bit. Now, I feel bad for that person. I really do. And I'm sure there's drugs that are involved in it currently. But I'm sure it wasn't always that way. And I'm sure this person has had mental illness and he's dealt with it for probably his entire life. I don't know. I don't know the person. Never saw him before. Maybe. I mean, I may have. I don't know. But we have got to do something. Is it humane to just leave these people wandering the streets like they did, like they do? These people with severe mental illnesses, let alone when they're dangerous to others? I mean, look at what happened on the subway in New York. 
Good Samaritan comes, you know, and he tries to help because there's a dangerous, mentally ill person that's threatening the lives of people on the subway. Now that person lost his life. But you know what? Who's at, Who's really at fault? Now, I don't think we should be just locking people up willy-nilly because, well, then they could say, well, you know, if you have these views, then you should be locked up. I don't, I mean, that's a scary, scary, scary prospect. But what do we do? It's not an easy answer, is it? However, if you do commit a violent crime, you need to be in prison. And even if you are mentally ill, but while you're in prison for committing this this violent crime, you should be getting some kind of help. Look, mental illness is not something to play with, and it's easy to sit here and play politics with it, but I'm sure everyone that's listening to this podcast has someone in their family who has suffered through mental illness. But we can't allow these leftists and these commu fascists to try and take away our constitutional rights, especially the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment rights of innocent Americans like you and I, just because they have no interest in keeping well, criminals in prison, prison or keeping mentally unstable people away. Just so they can disarm us for some reason? Perhaps perhaps their goal is not to reduce violence. But maybe they want to explode the violence in society as a reason so they can continue to erode the Constitution. Bottom line, the solution is simple and twofold. According to this article, get rid of leftist leaders in major cities that set violent repeat offenders free and bring back mental health facilities. I do agree with that, but we need to do it in a humane humane manner to lock up mentally ill if necessary. This is the only way we're going to stop the avalanche of violent crime that awaits Americans as the next few years unfold, if they do. Don't forget, we are on the precipice of a world, a nuclear World War III. Global ending. So, that's it for today, folks. I know it's kind of a solemn way to end it and start your weekend, but remember to follow, like, or subscribe. And until next time, keep connecting the dots and stay prepared. Perfect Dave, out.